is Clayton Howe's Entertainment X. For part two with Miranda Otto, we talk about roles that have taught her a significant amount about herself, achievement versus fulfillment, her self-talk, and of course, listening. So I hope you enjoy this part two with Miranda Otto. Was the transition between working in Australia to working in, you know, the U.S. or Hollywood films, was that an inevitable transition for you? Inevitable, no. Like, I mean, you know, when I left drama school, I really saw myself being a theater actor. Like that was like the, the sort of, you know, our, our school, we, we did some screen work, um, but not a great deal. We were very much focused on, on theater. And, um, you know, the, we went to see lots of theater and, and our dream was, to, you know, to work at the Sydney Theatre Company and, you know, sort of constantly be in work there and, you know, play all the great roles. Um, so, no, I, I hadn't kind of imagined from the beginning that I would end up working in the US. Um, when I came out of drama school, I ended up actually working a lot more in film. And then it was my agent who really, you know, pushed me to come over and meet with people here. And, and I mean, I was totally up for it. Like, it's, it's an absolute um, dream in itself, but it wasn't my initial dream. No, it wasn't. Yeah. And was the, was the red thin line that first kind of, I don't know, us film, Hollywood film for you or had there been, I think, I guess it was actually, um, they made that film, um, Terry made the film in, um, Port Douglas up in, um, Queensland. Uh, and they brought in a lot of actors, but then they used some local people as well. And I was um, cast locally and met with Terry and we shot a whole bunch of stuff when uh, we were actually shooting up in Queensland. And then at the end, um, after he was putting the film together, he wanted to shoot some stuff with me, um, myself, just, um, just with me and um, Ben Chaplin. So actually flew over to the US and we shot a bunch of stuff in like two days, I think it was, um, which is the bulk of what I ended up doing in the film. Um, but yeah, I guess that was my first American project. Yeah, it must have been. Yeah, I mean, just logistically, the time zone difference <laughs> from <laughs> Australia to the US is, I, I 12, it's, it's a lot. It's many, many hours. Well, it's, it's better yeah. at some times of the year than others. Like at the moment, Right. Um, it's like five hours difference, but between, you know, oh, the LA. Yeah. West Coast and the East Coast, yeah. um, at other times it's like seven hours. Um, yeah. but yeah, it, it's a lot. What was that, you know, I guess emotional decision to essentially relocate <laughs> your life? You know, I didn't <laughs> or was relocate. It not? I didn't relocate automatically. Um, my agent in Australia was very keen that I sort of, stay in Australia, but um, visit to the US. So what I used to do was come over for like three or four weeks and take a bunch of meetings. And, and then invariably when I got jobs, they weren't necessarily in LA. They were often in other places or other countries and stuff. Um, so um, it, there wasn't immediately kind of a, a pressure kind of to move to Los Angeles because you know, um, you could base yourself here, but then you'd end up working in other places anyway. So I actually 
held off moving here until quite late, quite late. I, I used to just sort of come and take meetings. And then if I had a job, you know, just come over for that. Was it okay? So this is the internet. Sometimes is a fantastic place, but also can be mistaken. Was yeah. was there an actual phone call you received from the director? Um, <laughs> I guess Steven Spielberg to be in War of the Worlds was that a le- a legitimate phone call to you? Yeah, yeah, that's that's true. Um, okay, I was in L.A. Um, sort of briefly. I think I was passing through town to go somewhere else, as I remember, or I'd come in from London or something. Hmm. And uh, I got this phone call. I was uh, renting a car, actually. (laughs) It was a car rental. I got this (laughs) phone call from my agent saying, no, my manager, um, saying um, that Steven Spielberg wanted to speak to me about a part. And it was kind of funny because when when I'd been at drama school, one of the the running gags at the school was that we next to the phone we had this big whiteboard and people would always leave messages for for you know other people if someone had wrong and often people would put up a message you know like david steven spielberg called call him back his number you know we was like always joking he was like the, the go-to name of like oh damn you missed his call kind of thing sure <laughs> um so when she rang me and said that there was a moment where i was like is this a gag or Oh, right. No, it's Susan. Of course, it's for real. It's for real. <laughs> um, and I was actually pregnant at the time, but I hadn't told anybody. Um, you know, like my husband knew, my family didn't know. And so then I had to ring Susan and say, well, I don't know if I could do this role um, that he wants to speak to me about because I'm actually pregnant. And, you know, by the time we shot this, it would be clear that I was pregnant. Um, at the moment, mm-hmm. no one can tell. Um, and she said, okay, well, why don't you get on the phone and tell him that? So he, he rang me, um, when I was staying in a hotel and I told him, and then he just automatically went, oh no, that's great. I'll write that in. You can be pregnant. Like he didn't, it was like, like so fast. He's, he didn't even have to consider it. He loved the idea. So yeah, true story. (laughs) How perfect. So easy. Um, I'm curious, what are your views on professional relationships in the industry? I think that I think they're so important. I'm curious if you have any thoughts on, you know, um, cultivating them, you know, keeping the relationships up. I don't want to use the word networking, but. Yeah. Do you mean a professional relationships in terms of um, just like other actors and friends that I'm working with? Or do you mean professional relationships in, in terms of like, um, people higher up kind of thing. I think it's a mix of both or maybe it's not, you know, I don't, if it is a mix of both for you, then yes, <laughs> I'm interested in cool. you know how those connect for you or how you view them. To be honest, I, I'm not much of a networker. Um, and, uh, when I get a role, I always like to feel it's, not because I knew people or I'd worked some situation. Mm. Um, I like to feel that I got it because I walked in and I auditioned or people thought of me and I was the right person and I was who they wanted. So that's a a part of the process for me. Um, And in my life, um, you know, I, I love being around actors when I'm working with actors. There's just like, um, 
you know, we're just sort of similar people and it, it, there's such a shorthand between us and I have some really wonderful friends who are actors. But I also really cultivate in my life having friends who don't work in the entertainment industry. Um, that's very important to me. I don't, I don't know how you can um, portray real life if, if you only have a life in the media. I, I don't know how you can have any kind of grounding if, if you're just surrounded in that warm entertainment bubble, you know, and it, mm. and it is the warm bubble. Like a lot of us, you know, think alike. And um, so, I, yeah, I really try to maintain a lot of friends outside of the entertainment business. Professional, but on another level, professional relationships are really important. Mm. I, um, I've loved working with directors again there's a, a couple of um female directors that i've worked with a, a couple of times and it that it's a wonderful feeling coming back to work with someone that you already know and you you already know what to expect and the trust is is high and that is a great thing and and also i've i've realized over the years like how your professional relationship with with casting agents is is so important in terms of sometimes you don't realize you'll go in for a job like early on in your career and you're like disappointed because you didn't get it but sometimes that audition like two years later can actually lead to something really important so every time you're walking in the room you're making some impression on people which you know is 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 building you know a uh, a, a catalog of of how they see you and and who you are and you know those moments that you're actually in the room are really important. And what you put out on tests and stuff is, is really important. Yeah. Do you have a, you know, and you brought up a great point about having friends that are outside of, you know, the entertainment industry. Is that uh, super conscious for you? Are you doing like, you know, once a week, once a week get togethers with people, or is it just a general thing, you know, in life? Um, it's just a general thing in life that I, I kind of gravitate towards that. And, and, you know, I've kind of been able to do that, you know, particularly like say through my daughter's school, um, mm. you meet other parents and, you know, they're in completely, you know, different um, careers. And I, you know, I just find that so interesting. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Is there a particular role you've played that has taught you a significant amount about yourself? Gosh, I think I learn something from everything I do. <laughs> I really do. Yeah. I mean, true. yeah, you're always, you know, in some way using yourself to play those roles as much as, you know, you might be, have, a, you know, a particular person in mind, in some way you're using yourself and it, you know, every part changes you a little bit, I think, um, at least for a period of time. Um, it certainly changes my fashion sense. I usually, you know, end up going and buying clothes afterwards that are kind of similar to the character. And then like six months later going, why did I buy this? I would never wear it. I was just like seeing through the eyes of my character at the time. And so I went and bought these clothes. Um, things that I've learned. Oh, gosh, gosh. It's that's so hard because honestly, you know, everything I feel I've, I've learned something from. Mm. 
Um, you know, I was working on this show, The Chilling Adventures of Sabrina. And, and working on that, I, I realized how much I enjoyed being in a, like a, a family group, how much I enjoyed working with the same group of people for a longer period of time than, you know, you normally get to do because we were on that for like two years. Mm. And how much I enjoyed playing. There was a great sense of play on that show um, and room to be silly and, um, you know, quite stylized. And I realised how much I enjoyed that part of acting as well as the very earnest side of things. Hmm. How do you or how have you balanced uh, achievement versus fulfillment in your life? Achievement versus fulfillment. Um, you know, I, I, I don't know how to really separate those two things, to be honest. Um, to me, achievement isn't about um, what other people say to me or how they view something. I mean, I'm super happy when I, when I do something and it, um, you know, that the show as a whole is enjoyed or, you know, picked up and all those things. It's, it's a great feeling knowing that everybody who put work into that is, is being acknowledged and that, you know, all the passion and the hours that were put into it um, uh, is getting energy coming back. That's always a really nice feeling. But achievement-wise, to me, it's about, you know, looking at things and thinking that I could surprise myself in some way, that there was something in it where I, you know, went out on a limb or I look at some part of it and go, I don't know how I did that or mm. I don't recognise myself in that moment, which I really like. It's, it's those things that make me feel like I've achieved something and you know fulfillment to me is sort of along the same lines but I guess also just like fulfillment is really about um keeping on playing different parts you know like I don't want to get stuck playing one thing I don't want to be bored in that way I, I want to constantly explore what else you know could I do who else can I pretend to be? <laughs> Is there a, do you have an interest in returning to the stage? You know, the, the big thing about stage for me is it's really not conducive to being a parent. No. Um, the hours <laughs> for stage just like really suck Yes. Um, for, for parenting because it's like the time that they're coming home is about the time you're packing up to go in and get ready. And then you work all weekend um, you know, multiple shows on the weekends. Um, mm. So maybe, you know, when, in a couple more years when my daughter's in college, I might consider going back to theatre. Um, the last thing I did was back in 2011. So it's quite, it's like been 10 years since I've done it. Um, and it's always, it's always a moment when I go back to stage where I'm there and I'm getting to the first preview and I'm like, oh, my God why did I think I could do this? Like people are going to see straight through me. How is this ever going to work? I know we've been rehearsing and I know we've been goofing around and getting something together, but like now it's all going to fall apart. Like I'm going to, how can I possibly get out there and bluff my way through this? Uh, and then you get through the first previews and then, then, then it takes shape and then it 
there's there's some sort of solidity but there's that moment going into the first previews where I'm just like I can't believe I committed to this why did I say I would do it <laughs> is there a- yeah yeah <laughs> I know and it's and it's it's live everyone's yeah just, it's live everyone's you know? sitting there <laughs> yeah um I love it but the but- <laughs> live is great too you know because like you just like once you get over that initial kind of nausea um mm. you you actually get all this energy from the audience you know like um a good audience um they they really feed you and they're with you they don't want you to fail they they they're there to be entertained and um provoked and and all of that so you know the the audience energy means a lot how have you dealt with or talked your way through any sort of self-doubt is there any self-talk you have that keeps you moving forward whenever you know a doubt or like an imposter syndrome you know something kind of slips (laughs) into the brain or not so much um are you saying is there something that gets me through doubt? Yeah, well, yeah. If when if if when it creeps in, if it creeps in, you know, to the mind, is there a particular self talk or a way you work through or around, you know, that that self doubt on whatever it could be? Look, I, I certainly get lots of you know self doubt along the way about certain things, but then I guess my thing is to think to think back to other experiences that I've had that you know, often in the moments where I'm most doubting or most unsure is actually probably the most creative that I am in some ways. So hmm. like, you know, it comes back to the the not knowing thing. The doubt comes in when you're just really unsure what the territory is that you're in. But often, you know, I have to keep telling myself maybe some of the best things come out of this. And, you know, all I can do is try to be as present as possible and try to listen as much as possible um, and and trust the people around me. Uh, you know, it, like if I'm in a scene sometimes and I don't, I'm not sure, yeah. I just, as much as I can, just lock in to the other actor, like very much just um, know that I will, find the scene by by really connecting with them yeah that's a great point that's an absolute great point i noticed that too yeah if there's ever an an intention that's missing or there's a little confusing i don't you know where where is this where's this moment going you can yeah. literally just use the what you know how you respond to what the other person's saying and something has been created yeah that you haven't yeah. even prepared because you don't know yeah. how someone's yeah going. so i love that um are there any common pieces of incorrect advice that you've heard in life or in your career? Um, incorrect pieces of advice in life. Um, I, I think when people say that you have to get things right or you have to lock into things, I've found that that's not correct at all like trying to be right trying to um secure everything you know trying to um know exactly what it is you want to do Hmm. I, i don't think that's sound advice because i think you know as time goes on um people have had to have 
you know, more than one career. They've had to diversify within the career they've had. Um, you have to keep open to, to keep relevant. So to try to lock anything down or, you know, um, try to say, oh, you know, you must have achieved this or you must go to college or you must like, I don't think there are any musts, you know, like you just have to kind of work it out as you go. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Everything always is moving. It's just there's yeah. no line when it comes to that. Yeah. There's you know? no definitives. I, I, I don't think, you know, it'd be lovely to have definitives that, you know, that really would s secure your progress through life but there aren't and often the moments that, that people look back that define them are the moments where everything was kind of upended and they had to make a split you know often the, the things that define you are the split decisions you make in a moment um on gut instinct not the the well-planned trajectory yeah how have you gotten better at listening to your gut instinct um I think, you know, since um, being a parent, I've, I've gotten better at it um, because that certainly has been a thing where if I want to do something, it's going to take me away from my family in some aspect, whether I have to like be in a different state or a different country for a period of time. Um, um, you know, I'm going to spend a lot of hours on it, you know, um, just you know, learning it and um, preparing for it. So that has made me really weigh up um, what I really have a strong urge to do, what I'm really um, triggered by, touched by, um, inspired by um, mm -hmm. being a parent. You know, I, I'm not going to just do something for, for the sake of it. So that's definitely been a turning point especially during this time you know with the pandemic and everything being so uncertain are there any changes you've made that have increased positivity and decreased negativity in your life in life um i'm trying to listen to the news less <laughs> like Same. for a moment i you know like i i'm very interested in american politics um, a few years back and, you know, I sort of was so into knowing everything about the news and what was happening every day. And then recently I've really tried to back off that more um, to, to give myself more positivity. Um, yeah, like the pandemic has definitely been a really challenging challenging time i mean i i was lucky i was in australia for a lot of it um but still it, it it's been such a strange time um dealing with so much change and 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 fear you know fear yeah yeah that's yeah it's a really good point uh metaphorically speaking if you could put a word or a phrase on a billboard for millions of people to see. Does anything come to mind? Listen. I don't think people listen enough. You know, I think we're often so wrapped up in our own opinions and being right. And I think, you know, we're at this 
crossroads in the world where, you know, people are so divided. And, you know, I, I think if we actually listened and actually um, interacted more with each other, that, you know, we'd discover we have a lot more in common that we, than we actually think. I think somehow we've, we've been pulled apart and listening is just key in, in, in everything, you know, it's key in, in what I do. It's, it's, it's key in life to, to, to get through, you know, you have to, you have to be able to listen. And it's amazing what you hear. Yeah. Listen. And I've been, I've been in New York for the last five months. I'm like, time flies since I've moved back to Hell's Kitchen and you, there's a lot of, a lot of craziness still happening in the city. And whenever I hear someone up, get uppity and yell, I listen to the words that they're using. And I'm like, oh, if you're not listening to what they're saying, you think they're just really angry and loud and let me move on the other side of the street. But what's generally coming out of one's mouth is pretty, pretty honest telling you of what they need (laughs) or what they're going through when you hear it. Yeah. I, I, you know, I, I feel like that is such a thing in this moment that everybody's shouting Uh and nobody's listening. You know, I look on social media and everyone's like shouting all this stuff and, Mm -hmm. and on the news, like there's just so much shouting of opinion and so much certainty. Everyone's so certain that they're right and that they, that they know what is the right thing. And um, that's a, that's a difficult place to learn anything from. That's a difficult place to actually progress from when you're locked into your certainty, like, like no less, (laughs) no less, no more. I like that. No less. (laughs) (laughs) K-N-O-W. I love that. Oh, this conversation has been so fantastic. Miranda, thank you for taking this time. Is there anything else you want to add here before we wrap it up today? No, I think I think we covered a lot. Thank you. It was really enjoyable. People of the world, Miranda Otto. You've been listening to Entertainment X, the podcast. You can follow Entertainment X on Instagram at underscore Entertainment X underscore. If you haven't yet, go to Apple Podcasts and subscribe, rate, and review this podcast. Join Clay next week for another curiosity conversation on Entertainment X. Thank you for listening. 